Welcome to Let's Talk Agriculture, Episode 4. In this podcast, Oliver McIntyre talks to RABDF Chair Peter Alvis and Vice Chair Robert Craig on sustainability and how dairy farmers are working towards becoming carbon net zero. Here's Oliver. Hi, everyone, and welcome. In this episode, I'm really pleased to be joined by not one, but two committee members from the RABDF, Chairman Peter Alvis and Vice Chairman Robert Craig. The theme for our podcast is sustainability across agriculture, but we're obviously going to focus on the dairy sector specifically. Peter, welcome. How are you? How's things going? And how's Dairy Tech Online gone? Thanks, Oliver. It's great to be here today. Things are going really well down here at the moment. We've got some nice dry weather for a change and everything's dried out a little bit over the last few days. Dairy Tech Online has gone really well. And Robert, a bit further north than Peter, nice and chilly up north as I know only too well. How are you doing? Well, it's particularly cold, so pretty challenging for the guys out there. We're in the lull, I suppose, before we start calving in, in a big way up here, so waiting for spring rather patiently at the moment. Fantastic. You're not the only one, I can assure you of that, Robert. Let's get straight into the theme of sustainability. The industry as a whole, you know, the NFU set this target of net zero by 2040 and 2050 by government in general. Robert, how do you think it's being received in the dairy sector? When you're chatting to peers and people you know in the industry, how do you think that journey to net zero by 2040 has been received? Well, I guess it, it depends on the individual producer really i mean there seems to be certainly within some producers a real lack of awareness as to the journey that we're about to embark on but the contrast would be i suppose uh, producers that are a little bit more aware and they realize that this was coming and maybe that they've already started to implement measures to move in that sort of direction but i think it's fair to say most dairy farmers are fairly intensive now if you're still in business after the last two or three decades no matter what system you operate you're fairly intensive so there's a fair challenge ahead of us as an industry. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We've been, as an industry, pushed down a route of sort of production and pushing milk out. And now it does feel sometimes like we've been asked to change direction. And it's also going to involve a change of mindset. But we have got the 2040 target. And I'm absolutely sure we're going to get there. Coming to you, Peter, I know it's your specialist topic, the whole gambit of sustainability. It is about the environment and climate change. But for me, especially from a banking perspective, sustainability needs to be financial. One piece of that jigsaw is the clean air strategy. What's the awareness like in the dairy sector of potentially the implications for the dairy industry in the clean air strategy? Thanks, Oliver. I think at the moment, we don't have enough awareness within the dairy sector of the clean air strategy. I think there are some people that have an inkling that there's something coming along the lines. But at the moment, in government, they're still trying to understand what the implications are for the industry. And they're still trying to find out where the industry actually stands. We don't really have enough data at the moment on the outputs of the industry as far as clean air and that sort of thing is concerned. So we really need to build up more data to understand how those changes will be affecting the industry. I think looking forward, those farmers that are aware of clean air strategy and the possible changes that are going to come along are asking for more details so that the investments that they make now will be compatible with the legislation and the targets that we're looking at going forward. And I think we need more clarity to be able to understand where that comes from. I think the other big thing to be aware of as well is that 
all of these changes that we're talking about really are about reducing waste. And that's the thing that we need to focus on for farmers because most of the issues with trying to improve sustainability and improve our environmental credentials means we're actually going to be wasting less and we're going to be making better use of resource on farm. And that's got to help with both with the environment and the financial performance of farms. Yeah, absolutely, Peter. And I think it's sometimes easy to lose sight of the fact that very often environmental sustainability, reduction of carbon actually does add up to the bottom line because, as you said, it's waste, isn't it? If you're not utilising all your assets correctly. I think one of the other things that I will ask you about is we're talking about measurement, how we measure what emissions the industry does. We're very good at forgetting how much good work agriculture does already on the environmental and sequestration front. Acres and acres of permanent pasture in the UK, much of it grazed by dairy cattle. How important do you think it is for us to have some sort of formal measurement process so that we can begin to benchmark and have a start point to set off from? I think having a recognised system that all dairy farmers can buy into so that whichever carbon counting system they use meet the criteria so that they can all be compared is going to be critical because otherwise we're in a situation where people can question the data that is being quoted and being used. So it's really important that we pull the relevant carbon calculators together using certain criteria so that farmers are using the right ones so that we can map out what's happening across the whole country with knowledge and confidence that that data is comparable across all systems. The sooner we have that, Peter, the better, and that way we can begin to challenge some of those sort of myths and rumours, especially about the dairy sector. That sort of measuring, mapping and working out what difference you've made brings me back to efficiency and waste. The question I'd ask you, Robert, is I'm absolutely benchmarking obsessed, as both you guys know. My worry is is that there's not a huge percentage of the agricultural industry that is actually benchmarking business and physical performance. What percentage of the RABDF members do you think, Robert, are actually using some form of benchmarking? That's a really difficult question, Oliver, and maybe from the banking side of the industry, you might have a better idea than we do, I suppose. I've heard bank managers say in the past that it's a very small percentage that actually do any financial benchmarking in what Peter just alluded to around baseline assessments of carbon. You know, we don't at this stage know what percentage of producers are actually doing any sort of carbon benchmarking, carbon footprinting or anything in that order yet. I mean, we've got to really lift our game here across the whole sector. It's very difficult. I'm obviously involved in the grazing side of the industry, the grazing discussion groups. We've been sharing cost data for probably most of the last two decades. But the majority of those farms are not yet doing any carbon benchmarking. And that's probably where we need to get to and fairly quickly as well within the next year or two. Some processes are already doing this quite effectively. Where this is happening, we're finding farmers are accumulating data and then don't really know why they've accumulated the data. So we need a really clear steer as to what sort of targets we're looking for in terms of greenhouse gas emissions and, you know, a sort of a roadmap as to where we want to be in the next 10, 15, 20 years, ultimately, if we're going to hit net zero. Yeah, and it is a huge challenge. And I think there's two or three points I'd make to that, Robert. I think we need that measurement tool as soon as possible because the industry seems hugely positive. We've done some survey work across all sector types and 85% of UK farmers we spoke to said they think they'll be net zero by 2035, which kind of tells me that even if some haven't started the journey, 
that they're thinking about it and wondering what they're going to do. I think we need that measurement tool before we get too much action down the line or we were not going to get the credit for the good things we do already and continue to do. I've already said we're having so many conversations about carbon, carbon measurement tools. I think for us as a bank, a lot of the stuff we've seen is all about algorithms and averages and what could happen. Obviously, the world of banking deals with straight facts and straight figures. They might be useful for the industry, but if we're going to eventually turn down to net zero and get to the point where we're actually sequestrating carbon that potentially could be an income stream for agriculture, you know, from a banking perspective, couldn't agree more. We need to nail down a really suitable and verifiable way of measuring. I suppose that brings us nicely on to something else I wanted to ask you. I've been involved in agriculture for the last 40 odd years, but more specifically in the dairy sector for sort of 2030 in my guise as a consultant and in banking. Over that time, we've seen a great deal of yield chasing, of herd size building, which is natural progression, obviously. But sometimes from my perspective, maybe not from a hugely profitable point of view, advances in genetics are excellent, as with technology. But do you see national average yields continuing to grow and herd sizes continuing to grow as we go on this journey to net zero? What's your view, Peter? I think we probably will see those advances, whether that be through gene editing and some relaxations that we may find we get having moved away from European partners quite as closely and that sort of thing. But there's clearly advances still to come. So both technology and animal breeding will move things forward and we will definitely see advances. But let's be clear and understand that there isn't a golden bullet that will make a big change. It'll be small pieces. It'll be people's attention to detail. And that's as critical as anything. It's those attentions to detail that will really drive the improvements that we're going to see as well as potential modifications to the technology. Absolutely think you're right, Peter. In the Netherlands, they're working on completely housed dairy units where all emissions, not just carbon, but greenhouse gas emissions are retained and then processed and either broken down into less harmful elements. Robert, can you see a time when the UK industry has to head down that route? And is that going to create a problem for some producers should they choose to go down that route? Because some people may say it's a cow, it should be outside grazing grass, you shouldn't be keeping it inside all year round. I think this is the real challenge we face, actually, Oliver, and you know the industry's split almost in two, but you've got a multitude of systems down the middle that the majority operate. I suppose you've got the extremes on both sides. And to some degree, the, the more intensive you are, sometimes the easier it is to manage, and it's possibly the easier to manage the harmful emissions as well. If, if cows are housed, potentially there's a, an easier way of managing the emissions than when cows are out grazing. But we've got consumers that supposedly want to see cows grazing want dairy products at a certain price and then on top of that we've got to manage all the harmful gases that we emit so technology plays a part in it whether that's dietary technology so that we can limit the emissions efficiency and productivity play a big part in that so it isn't necessarily that the more intensive high production systems are bad it's all going to come down to as peter said the attention to detail really and how professional we are as an industry in the way that we manage and, and the way the systems develop that we use to manage these large herds of cows yeah, absolutely. And I think it is going to be a balancing act. I think it's about messaging and getting the right discussion points out there amongst consumers, which I suppose brings me on. We're just going to do a couple more questions. We've talked about net zero and the challenges and the journey. I think for me, net zero milk 
net zero dairy products is actually potentially it's a huge opportunity from a marketing perspective am i living in fantasy land peter you're a dairy farmer and a big producer of cheese do you think if you could stamp net zero cheese on your products you would see some sales increase i think it's a really important thing that we've got to work towards and yes undoubtedly There are aware consumers out there that will want to have that as part of their authenticity of their product without a doubt. So yes, it's really important we do that. But within doing all of this, we must ensure as well that we educate both ourselves and our consumers on the cost of the food that we're actually consuming. And it's very easy for us to be able to say we're doing this But we need to look at our whole diet and make sure everything that we're consuming, whether we produce it in this country or abroad, that we have the same values connected to all of those foods because it's no good just doing it in one area. As a consumer of food, I've got to be aware of everything that I eat and the cost of all of that food from an environmental point of view. Yeah, and milk and dairy products form such an important part of a balanced diet that we've also got to keep in mind that There is always going to be a proportion of people in the UK who perhaps don't have the flexibility of buying that a lot of people do. So we've still got to keep that focus on producing affordable, traceable, high quality food for the nation to eat. Okay, last question. I expect I know your answer, but we'll go to Robert first. Can the UK dairy sector get to net zero by 2040? I think it probably can, but I think we mustn't underestimate the challenge that we've got to overcome in the next 20 years or so. And the cost involved with this is a very marginal industry now. That's the challenge as I see it. You know, you mentioned about selling cheese, net zero cheese or whatever. I don't see any extra value in this. This is a license to operate as we go forward. It may open up markets internationally more easily because it's not just UK consumers that are looking for sustainability attached to products. So there will be market opportunities, but we must remember there's cost involved in doing this. I'm not saying we can't do it, but we've got to be really aware of this won't happen for free. I would agree with uh, Robert there. It's perfectly possible. We need clear guidance from government as to what their expectations are, and we need that really very quickly because time is ticking away and we're biting into the time, and it will take farmers a long time to adapt what they're doing and to make the changes that are going to be needed, whether that be in the design of buildings and how we farm and where we farm and all the systems that we're going to use. But yes, it is possible. There is lots of work. It is going to be expensive. The industry is going to need government support to be able to achieve it. But at the end of the day, we will be producing highly nutritious food for the UK population and for export. Absolutely. Both of you mentioned it. 2040 is the target and the clock is ticking. And that's part of the reason why at Barclays we're really getting some momentum behind it. It's forming part of our conversations with our client base because we want our clients to be thinking and moving down the road. Because to be frank, it's no good giving it some thought in 2035, 2038, because you're probably not going to have time to get there. Right. I'm going to wrap it up. What I will say is it's been such a busy couple of weeks for you at RABDF with Dairy Tech Online. So I will just say a huge thank you to Peter Alvis and Robert Craig for taking time out at the end of a busy couple of weeks for you. Sadly, we didn't get to meet up at Stonely Park, but hopefully we will all see each other again face-to-face really soon. Thanks very much, Oliver. Great to hear from you. Yeah, great pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and you will receive a notification when we release our next one, which will be on the changing and evolving role of women in agriculture.
All of our Let's Talk Agriculture podcasts are available to listen or download from our Barclays Let's Talk Business channel on Spotify, Apple and SoundCloud. Thank you again for listening. We also have our Let's Talk Agriculture Farm to Fork specials, Let's Talk Brokers and Let's Talk Real Estate podcasts, featuring the latest market insights and delving deeper into other important topics and issues. These are available on our Let's Talk Business channel. Make money work for you. We're not responsible for, nor do we endorse in any way, third-party websites or their content. The views and opinions expressed in this content don't necessarily reflect the views of Barclays Bank UK PLC, nor should they be taken as statements of policy or intent of Barclays Bank UK PLC. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no responsibility for the veracity of information intimated by a third party, and no warranties or undertakings of any kind, whether expressed or implied, regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information given. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no liability for the impact of any decisions made based on information contained and views expressed. Barclays Bank UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.